I tell all the people that I work with, the hardest things are acceptance and boundaries, but it's that self-acceptance, right? This is who I am. Mm. And the thing is also making sure that you are in spaces where you can be fully yourself. Welcome to Hey, I'm Listening. I'm your host, Dr. Joan. This week, we are diving into a power-packed lineup of topics with Natasha Pennycook. I just love that name. Our focus is on aspects of mental health that often intersect with broader societal issues. First, we'll be addressing the critical topic of racial trauma. We'll discuss its manifestation, its impact, and avenues for healing. And then we'll be exploring the racial implications of imposter syndrome. How does imposter syndrome intertwine with racial identity and what can be done to foster a more inclusive, supportive environment? We'll talk about anxiety as a prevalent and uh, pervasive challenge in today's fast-paced world. Following that, we'll dive into the topic of burnout. In a society that often glorifies busyness, burnout has become a real and pressing concern. Lastly, will address a crucial aspect often hindering individuals from seeking the help that they need. Access, access, access to mental health care. So whether you're personally navigating these challenges or seeking a better understanding of how to support others, this week's episodes promises to be a thought-provoking and informative journey. Before the episode starts, I have a small favor to ask you, our dear and wonderful audience. In this second season of Hey, I'm Listening, we hope to grow our listeners to 10,000 consistent listeners on all of our platforms. To do this, we need your help. Uh, So if you could follow, subscribe, and leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening on, we appreciate your consistency um, in not only following and listening, but also supporting us. Thank you, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the show, Natasha. It is so good to have you here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited for a chat. You know, folks, there's a beautiful woman sitting in front of me. She has this beaming smile and just this beautiful melanin popping skin, you know, and I'm already loving everything that she's all about. And so I want to ask you to just listen in as I tell you a little bit about her. Natasha Penny Cook is a leader in workplace mental health and safety mindset coach and an award-winning psychotherapist. With over 13 years of experience, she's the CEO of Natasha Pennycook Psychotherapy, NPP, a flourishing private group practice of therapists who help people struggling with fear and self-doubt from trauma, anxiety, and depression, and who've been historically racialized and marginalized in their quest for success to heal, thrive, and live in their very best life. As a mindset shift coach, Natasha believes that understanding the power of the mind is key to unlocking and unblocking our greatest potential. She helps her high achieving professionals shift their mindset away from internalized limiting beliefs and fears and into their power and purpose to create the thriving life they want. Natasha has volunteered with a number of community organizations in the Toronto area, is a recipient of the By Blacks People's Choice Award for Best Canadian Counselor, of 2020 and was nominated again for the award in 2021. Natasha, let's get into it. Yes, let's, let's do what what is racial trauma? Let's about that and give them like a heads up. If they're experiencing it, we want them to know that they're experiencing it. 
Yeah. So racial trauma, you know, this, this topic has been getting more, people have been more aware of racial trauma. Let's just put that there than ever before. And I think that to really get into it, to understand it, it's really understanding the foundation of it. So Mm -hmm. racial trauma is what individuals who come from various racial backgrounds. So you might say racialized or BIPOC or black POC, right? Individuals face where it's the the discrimination and the prejudice and the microaggressions based on their race. So race cannot be shifted. It can't be changed. It can't yeah. be, it cannot be rubbed off. And, you know, experiencing discrimination, prejudice based on your race, it's very harmful and it's very hurtful. We know about trauma, right? Trauma is anything that can happen to an individual that an individual does not have the capacity to deal with. So that capacity, I mean, you know, we hear things like going to war has caused a lot of trauma and PTSD, but really things like, you know, witnessing war, witnessing um, someone, someone being violent to someone else, witnessing uh, different kinds of violence or someone being in a car accident or getting hit while crossing the street. All these are different things out there that can have a traumatic experience for a person. So now when you think of racial trauma, it's any traumatic experience that has to do with race. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that, you know, myself as a Black woman that I've experienced, experienced or that I have to experience being, being discriminated against. I could watch someone go through that experience and automatically tie it to myself because there is something underneath it called linked faith that myself as a black woman, if I see another black woman or another black male going through something, I automatically link their experience to myself because we have a shared blackness. So I think this is so important to understand because, you know, with all the things that have been happening over the world in the last number of years, people might be asking, well, this happened in in the States or in a different part of the world. Why does it matter? It matters because of linked faith, Uh, right? Yes, yes. It matters. It matters because of that linked faith where it's like, I have experienced racial trauma because this has happened to someone of a racial group that I belong to. And so when you say linked faith, so I put two kind of images together, you know, the links of a chain and Mm -hmm. then the faith part being basically kind of like that destination, right? So so it's a linked destination. And the thing that's going to link us together in terms of the experiencing of that same thing is basically the fact that we're Black. So of course, then that obviously pulls forward the most, you know, pressing moment from 2020, which was George Floyd and the many of us who watch that happen. And the interesting thing that I'm going to ask you is how did white people link to that? Because a lot mm. of, a lot of white people link to them, right? Yes. And, yes. And they, they experience the trauma in a slightly different way, perhaps, but maybe not. Right. So yeah, how did, yeah. how did they link? Why did they go out marching in the way that they did that then superseded or moved beyond the whole race issue? Racial trauma. Yes. What a fabulous question. I think what links it there is humanity, Mm. right? That we are people, that we are people who live and breathe and go to work and have children and have families. Yeah. That this, that with George Floyd and his murder, he won't, we saw pictures of him and his daughter, but he will never be able to replicate that picture of his daughter on his shoulders, right? So that's what links us all, that we are human, that we have same experiences. Yes, in our differences, we have similarities. So I think people were out and marching and chanting because of our humanity piece. And I think that, you know, we're in a world right now 
where everything is televised, right? Everything that happens in the world is televised. Whereas the same experiences that people have been having that have maybe have a racial undertone, where if this was 20 years ago, it wouldn't be as televised. It would be local to whatever community that is, maybe appear, appear a little bit on that local news and that's it. Yeah. Where now something that happens right across the world, everyone knows about it in an hour. And then we have different people taking images because I guess the the one thing that made George Floyd a little bit different is, you know, the one person who stood there and just videoed it. Close up. Mm -hmm. But was unable to do anything about it. it. It's so interesting to me. But now everybody has their phones out mm-hmm. and what would have been controlled before. Yes. Is no longer controlled. Right. Yes. Or it yes. maybe it's an after control because then they have mm-hmm. to mitigate what everybody else is showing and what everybody else is seeing. Right. So right. as we think about racial trauma, the times that we are in, is there a possibility that we are evolving in our consciousness to think on a humanitarian level? versus just the black, white, BIPOC kind of level? Yeah, I want to think so. <laughs> I want, I do, and I say that <laughs> exactly how I have said I have meant it. I want to think so. I want to think that we are getting to a space and a place where we can think beyond the race, the gender, the class, where we can see each other's humanity. Yeah. But <laughs> yes, <laughs> right. I will say this, but the things that make us different are the things that still stand out to a lot of people who do not think this way or navigate this way. Right. I mean, here in Ontario, there was a family in London, Ontario. So this is about two hours west of the GTA of the Greater Toronto area. Yeah. There was a family during the COVID time who a Muslim family, they went for a walk. And yeah. someone saw them going for a walk and decided to drive their van into this family. I remember. Going, I remember. Right? Yes. Right. Going for an evening walk and almost everyone of that family were killed. Yeah. So I want to say that, yes, we're moving beyond, but there are still people who who think from a hate perspective, who think from a, a fear perspective, yes. who think with the differences at the forefront. Yes. Do you think there is like a group level rising in consciousness that brings us to the humanitarian. And then there are still individuals then who are still very much prone to whatever fear or anxieties that they might be having or hatred they might be having that makes them act out. So if we are going to be talking about things like, how do we do this better? Mm -hmm. Is it better for us to be asking this of the masses or is it better to be asking it of individuals? I think we need to do the asking of all Mm -hmm. of the individuals because the individuals we know can make that impact. Yes. And on the people around them and on the masses as well, because groupthink is a real thing. Well, it is, right? right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so how do we manage groupthink and then individual think when it comes to racial trauma? I think the individuals who are in a position of power Mm -hmm. and of leadership, Mm -hmm. recognizing 
the strength they have, the authority that they have, that the the power that the voice holds yeah. or the power that their vote has. Yes. Right. To to influence group think, because there are a subset of individuals who really look up to these other individuals who are using their voice, who are powerhouses in their own right. And being able to understand, you know, the individuals who are the powerhouses understand how much influence their voice does have. Right. So we do need to do it from you know, for lack of a better word, a bottom, bottom up and top down perspective. So we can meet in the middle because, you know, there are how many people in the world now? Like eight, nine million billion people, right? Billion. So we really need to be doing things differently. We cannot be replicating um, the historical elements of the past. We really need to be moving forward because the reality is we all have um, either children or nieces and nephews that are that we're leaving this world to. We want to leave it better. Okay, let's get to the nitty gritty then. Mm -hmm. I'm a part of a workplace and yes. I'm noticing certain things, you know, mm -hmm. I'm noticing there are times I'm not included, you know, where I think I should be included. I'm noticing certain looks. Uh, I'm noticing certain things that are said at particular times that are disconcerting. How do I separate racial trauma from maybe these people don't like me? from maybe I have an issue with the way I see people and how they look at me. How do you know that racial trauma is real? Because, mm. you know, in the days when I experienced it, I swear I was going crazy because I was like, is this, is this me? Help our audience understand. What does the experience feel like? What are they likely to encounter? How are they likely to respond? Yeah. Oh, what a great question as well. You know, it's interesting that you said that during the days when you went through this, that you felt like, you know, a little bit crazy, a little bit like other, all of that. Because I hear that all the time from our clients and from our practitioners that our clients are going through. It's, it's that question of, am I correct? Right. Am I the problem? Am I actually seeing this? Is this actually happening? Yes. And, you know, all of those experiences, if that is coming up, that in itself is a telltale sign. Something is going on. Right. We don't know specifically, is this racial trauma? Is this, you know, am I being triggered at work from things that happened in my past and that showing up? But something is going on. Something is happening that's impacting the way you are functioning. Yes. Right? How yes. you're functioning in a workplace. And yes. one of the things that can happen with therapy, for example, is starting to navigate what is that happening? Yeah. Right? So is that what's happening in a workplace? What's happening for my own self? What is happening to get a better understanding? And I think in the workplaces, we're having some of these thoughts that are coming up is, you know, first making sure that you're safe to have these, this conversation. So I was going to say, you know, going to your management, your leadership, but the reality is psychological safety is another thing. And you want to make sure that you are in a safe position to have these conversations. Yes. So maybe in the workplace, finding a like-minded individual. So someone who shares values, um, shares values as you is maybe from the same racial or ethnic or religious group and yeah. having this conversation like this has been happening yeah I just want a second opinion okay. on what you're seeing you were in that meeting with me it's something that I actually saw did you see that as well right so starting to find someone who is a safe individual to have that conversation and if you know that individual's like yeah you know what I experienced that too but I wasn't sure so I'm right. glad you're having this conversation with me then it's starting to figure out like okay what can we do is there a policy is there a procedure 
mm-hmm. in our workplace that we can go to and that we can that we can help to navigate that and address. Mm-hmm. Okay, if there is great, what can I do with this? If there's not, is there is there an HR? Am I comfortable going to HR? Yeah. Right? Is there a manager or someone in leadership that I can have a conversation with? You know, it's one of those things that are really tricky because the microaggressions come up. And I call them macroaggressions, that's for everyone out there, because calling them microaggressions, it centers whiteness in them and the experience, mm-hmm. right? Where it, as a macroaggression, it's a big aggression for a racialized person. So mm-hmm. I just want to put that out there too. I like that. Um, I like yes. That. Yes. What made thinking. you think about that? What, you know, because um, you said it's yeah. the white centers. It, centers it makes whiteness. white person. Yeah. So. Comfortable, right? So. In my work, whether from a therapy lens or from a speaker lens, I've recognized a lot of people talk about this thing that has happened, the looks that I've gotten, the whispers that I've gotten. I had someone share with me one time that they were on a Zoom call and every Black person in the organization was called on last to speak. So I was like, you know what, this is something that's showing up. That's not random, really. I mean, it's a Zoom call, right? Like, that's not really random. That sounds like it was intentionally done. And individuals see that as a microaggression, like a slight. Yes. But at, but the reality is it has a big impact on the person. Of course. So that's why I thought about it, that instead of making it a small thing, small thing, it is actually a big thing. And it's a small thing for the people who are the person who, who came up with the term. So I'm decolonizing the term. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. We're taking back our power, even Absolutely. in our language, right? Even in our language, we have to, we have to. You said something earlier, you said, you know, it's not like we can shift our race. Yeah. And yet there are so many other places where we can shift. We can shift our socioeconomic status and we can shift our educational status. These days we can shift our gender, you know, so... What is a black woman and a black man to do? You know, like you can't you can't shift out of <laughs> out of your black skin, right? Mm-hmm. And so what is a black person to do with all of these other shiftings that are happening and yet you can't shift? How do you get comfortable in the shifting without shifting? Without shifting. Oh my goodness. Acceptance. But acceptance is so hard. I tell all of the people that I work with, the hardest things are acceptance and boundaries. But it's that self-acceptance, right? This is who I am. Mm. And the thing is also making sure that you are in spaces where you can be fully yourself. Because a lot of spaces we can't. We know about code switching where, you know, I speak or I stand or I wear my hair in a certain way, depending on the audience that I'm around. But it's making sure that you don't have to put on these masks, these veils, in every space that you occupy. Mm. It's making sure that it's places where you could come in with your head wrap or your do-rag, or you, you can speak however you want. You can allow the accent to slip out, right? You could bring the foods that you want to because that's where comfort lies. And it allows you to still tap into those, those places of who you are and what that means to you. Mm. That's a good place for us to ask a question. Yes. So audience, I have a question for you. Who are you? And on a scale of one to 10, how comfortable are you with who you are? Is that a good way to say it? Is that a that's good a, way to say that's it? That's a great way to say it. That's a great way to say How comfortable are you with who you are? And, and really, who are you? 
You may be different yous in different spaces. Yes. Ultimately, at the foundational base, who are you? Right. We'll be right back. 